and understanding we have listeners who may have stickers that say, woohoo, you know, like, hey, we did it or we showed them. And so we want to acknowledge that as well. Like, not everybody is feeling down. Uh, Do you have a lot of those listeners? (laughs) Not anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Not after this episode. Welcome to episode 33 of Pub Theology Live, a weekly conversation on life and faith over a good craft beer, or perhaps this week we'll need something heavier. Tonight's episode is brought to you by our official sponsor, Craft Beer Cellar. Craft Beer Cellar is a craft beer shop whose primary focus is amazing beer, education, and hospitality. In addition to great beer and education, they promise that you'll you'll always have an awesome experience at any craft beer cellar. Visit craftbeercellar.com for a location near you. And that's cellar, C-E-L-L-A-R. And you can win free beer from Craft Beer Cellar by joining our conversation. You can follow us on Twitter at Hub Theology, and you can respond to any of our comments. And please use hashtag PTLive. You can comment on Facebook at facebook.com slash pubtheology. And if you leave a comment that amuses us or challenges us or that's just you know so wise that uh, we feel compelled to give you free beer that could happen so i think we're giving it away next week we kind of been delaying giving away our october beer but it is going to happen so stay with us for that and you can always watch us live tuesdays at 9 p.m eastern at pubtheology.com you can listen to the podcast later on soundcloud stitcher or itunes So tonight, are we ready? We discuss events of the past week. We discuss what a bumper sticker might say that could sum it all up. And we'll respond to the view that no matter what happens, God is still on the throne. We'll discuss the statement of a pastor who said, I just don't get why people are reacting so viscerally to this election. Who gets elected doesn't affect my salvation. It doesn't affect my God. And we may hit on how we might disarm our own hearts and work together for the good and just world we all long to see. And if that sounds like a lot for one episode, maybe it is, but we'll see. We'll see what we can do. My name is Brian Burkoff. I am a pastor in Holland, Michigan, pastor of Holland UCC and author of the book Pub Theology. And tonight I am drinking a Firestone Union Jack IPA. Nice. With us, as always, is Tina Simmons. Welcome, Tina. Hey, Brian. Um, Tina Simmons, otherwise known as Sassy Sidekick Tina. Um, just a little bit of attitude there. <laughs> I'm, a, uh, I'm a project manager, graphic designer, and a writer. And I just started my Kickstarter campaign for um, my book, Zandrail which is, um, it'll be coming out in a couple months, and I'm so excited. Um, so if you want to check it out, there's an awesome video. It's You can go to Kickstarter and just type in a Zandrail in a search, Z-A-N-D-R-A-E-L. And for those who are actually watching, this is what the cover looks like. I love that. Love Isn't it. That beautiful. And then that's the, ooh, that's the, ooh, is it backwards? Or, no, that's me. No. no. Um, so, and looks, I'm, great. I forgot my wine bottle, but I'm drinking woodwork and I drink it all the time. So everybody's seen the label. It's the pretty well label. done. Well done. Well, to find more, find out more about uh, Tina's Kickstarter, uh, we retweeted it on Twitter. So if you follow Pub Theology, you can find out more about that. And sitting in Ogan's chair tonight is our friend Not of the literally. show, Derek Weston. <laughs> Not Ogan. He didn't break into his house. He's not in. <laughs> Derek is a pastor, a parent, a gardener, a Steelers fan, and co-host of the thought-provoking podcast, God Complex Radio. So welcome, Derek. Thank you. Um, and I am drinking a uh, flying dog, Dogtoberfest. Yes. And it is from a... 
not too far away brewery and it is delicious it well looks done. like a fun label it is a fun label they make great labels for their beers very cool yeah. so friends uh who are tuning in uh fasten your seatbelts because who knows where tonight's show is going to go uh but we're looking forward to uh yeah having some debrief together on recent events our opening question says if you could have a bumper sticker to sum up the past week what would it say Derek, you want to go first for this one? <laughs> so, so mine, mine would simply just say, really? Like, really? Question mark, exclamation, question mark, explanation. Yeah, exactly. Question mark, exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point. Really? <laughs> really. Mm. Um, yeah. I mean, because I, I guess I spent so much of the past uh week in disbelief um and i'm not sure that feeling's gonna go away i feel like there's 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 a whole lot of of little realities that have to be adjusted to a whole lot of decisions that were made that um i'm just gonna like really america this is this is the decision we made. Really, really. <laughs> so that's that's my that's my bumper sticker. That's your bumper sticker. Really, really. Well, that was very kind. I, I expected uh, multiple <laughs> multiple expletives. I'll just say. <laughs> Don't worry, they're coming. All right, they're coming. Good. Good, good, good. Stay tuned. But Tina, what do what do you think? I don't know that it really has much with what happened last Tuesday. Well, it kind of does. Um, I, I always loved the bumper sticker, well-behaved women rarely make history. Mm. Um, so girl power, just uh, there you go. step so up. This, and so that sounds like one that could sum up your life, which is the next part of our question. But maybe you're, maybe you're Oh, wait, did I go on back? Did I do them backwards? This is the bumper sticker to sum up the past week. Yeah, I don't know. I don't have one for the past week. It, yeah, I'm probably, <laughs> mine will be blank. Mine will be blank because I'm just sitting back and observing right now. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Uh, so for those who can't see the question, because I haven't asked it yet, the second part of the question was what would a sticker say that could sum up your life? So I think that's where Tina was going there. Yeah, my apologies. It's all good. <laughs> it's all good. What about you, Brian? What was your last week bumper sticker? Uh, well... I heard two last night. Neither are good in um, in what's the word? Gentle company or something? Um, Can't be recorded. <laughs> a friend showed up uh, at our pub theology, local pub theology last night, and she said her sticker would say, "Holy." F <laughs> <laughs> so I'm just going to put that fair. out there. Maybe we'll clean that up for the podcast. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> And uh, another one I heard that I understand and sympathize with is what the hell. Yeah. You know, uh, and I think that goes along with your really. Yeah. Sticker. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, and I think those are initial reactions, right? That's sort of the, the first stages of, of grief and, and shock and what's happening. Uh, and understanding we have listeners who may have stickers that say, Woohoo, you know, like, hey, we did it or we showed them. And so we want to acknowledge that as well. Like, not everybody is feeling down. Uh, Do you have yeah. a lot of those listeners? <laughs> not anymore. <laughs> <laughs> not after this episode. <laughs> I mean, I don't, I, don't, I don't necessarily want to scare them away, but I mean. No, uh, no, 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 no. We want honest, honest opinions here. Okay. I, you know, I'll be honest. I've got friends on both sides of this. Oh, so do I. So do I. So and, do I. You know, and that's yep. why I'm sitting back and listening because, you know, they're, they're not mean, racist people. You know, they're sidestepping some really bad behavior. Put <laughs> <laughs> it gently. <laughs> Very kind assessment. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and likewise, you know, I mean, it's, uh, I have to say, Thanksgiving is going to be really interesting this year. Yeah. I think in a lot, I think in a lot of houses, Thanksgiving is going to be very interesting. So glad I'm I think so. <laughs> I think so. That's actually, that's going to be on our, on our list of 
topics next week is uh, maybe we'll come up with a guide for how to navigate Thanksgiving. <laughs> Great idea. So Derek, if you had a sticker that could sum up your life, anything uh, that could be summed up in you know three to five words? Uh, my bumper sticker for my life would probably be, that didn't go the way I planned. <laughs> I love it! Oh my gosh, I want one. That's awesome. That is awesome. I, I really want to mark. I, I think we need to produce those those numbers again. That is great. Not not the way I planned it. I love it. I, I would say that is that is uh, that is my life in a nutshell. That could be even for the election. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it works. Yeah. It works for the last week. It works for uh, the last thirty-six years. Of my life. <laughs> Didn't see that coming. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> some something along those yeah, lines. Yeah. Yeah, 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 exactly, exactly. What about yeah. you, Brian? Did you say yours? Your life one? No, I'm trying to think. I mean, that's so hard to say. You know, there's so many different angles you could come at, but uh, I think I tried to say something like doing what I can or trying my best, you know, I mean, life's not easy and you're trying to do what seems right and trying to do good in the world. And, uh, in my case, trying to be a, a parent and, um, trying to, yeah, do some things well, but not always perfectly. So doing what I can. Yeah. It's a, um, reminds me of a Brené Brown quote that she says, uh, Excuse me. She said, "If we treated everybody like they were doing the best they could, you know, how how would we live our lives differently? You know, like mm -hmm. if we just treated everyone like you've done the best you can with the information you have." Yeah. Think about that when we're talking about politics. <laughs> <laughs> there, we go. there we go. Well, speaking of that, great segue. Many this week have said, uh, in the wake of the election, "Well, God is still on the throne." And I've seen, actually seen friends uh, enthusiastic about the result say that, as well as friends perplexed about the result say that. So I'm wondering if you've seen that in your social media feed, and I'm wondering how do you react to that, and what do you, yeah, what do you think they're saying, and, and what do you think about it? Um, I Yes, I've seen it, <laughs> and I think it is the worst, most insulting of platitudes. I think it is absolutely, um, it is a way of telling people to shut the hell up. It is a way of saying, um, be passive because what you do doesn't actually matter because God's got everything in control. And for me, um, God being on the throne is not a call to passivity. It is not ah, in action. It is not a call to sit back and and go with the flow. Um, so I just I just think it's 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 a um, uh, it, it infuriates me when I see it. It absolutely infuriates me um, because it's supposed to be pacifying. Um, it's supposed to like it's supposed yeah. to be a way of 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 um, of pacifying the fear and the anger and the anxiety that people are feeling um, by by making a very um, theologically fluffy statement. So, so you, um, you think it's yeah. discounting your feel? Like you think it's dis like when people say stuff like that, trying to put the silver lining on, they're just discounting the feelings that you have. Yes, that's how I feel. I feel like I feel like it's. It is, it's dismissive. I feel like it's, um, it's patronizing, it's condescending. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I feel like, yeah, I mean, and, 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 and there are some who would push back and say, but theologically, don't you agree with that? And, and again, I would say for, for me, theologically, the idea that, that God um, is in control or God is sovereign is not a call to passivity. It's not a call to just take the world as it comes. Yeah. Um, so so I, it can be a both a both and. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I I I find it very frustrating. I find it 
Um, yeah. Yeah, it, it pisses me off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I hear that exactly, and I think I have the same reaction. I think you're right. I think it's a way to invalidate how people are feeling, to invalidate actual concrete realities happening in the world, um, and asking people to just suck it up and deal with it. And God's got it taken care of, so why are you so worked up? Uh, and I agree that it's it's horrible theology in terms of it, it's a it's horrible pastorally. It's abused uh, in terms of, yeah, it's a call to passivity too often. It doesn't have to be, as you said, but I think often it is. Uh, just accept things and, you know, God's God's up there doing his thing. And in fact, we ought to celebrate because this is what God wanted. And that's, the, that's where it gets even darker. Yeah. When people say not only is God sovereign, this is exactly what God wants to happen. And I do, yeah. I get, I cringe when I. Okay. So, so. We have a little bit different theological views, and this is where, you know, the unity thing is we're all co-creating together. We created this. You know, well, God, I agree, I agree with that. Us, but we all created this, and we created it because there was a lot of hate and anger festering beneath the surface. I'll be the, I'll be the first one to say, um, I, like I said, I'm sitting back and waiting I think things are going to get a hell of a lot worse than they the, yep. before they get better. Yep. However, I do believe that the universe is an intelligent design and we're going through a pattern that humanity goes through, you know, to, to get rid of a boil, to get rid of infestation, it has to come to the surface and it is painful. Mm. So I, mm. I, I understand everybody's pain and angst and upset and, because we definitely took a huge step backwards, but I really think it's the arrow pulling back to propel us forward. It's not going to be pleasant. Ooh, I like that imagery. I like that imagery. Um, I, I mean, I, I, you know, I, I love, um, I, I love that way of thinking about it, and that actually does like bring my angst down a little bit. So thank you. Um, you know, I think if you, <laughs> if you. Um, I always botch this quote, but the um, you know MLK's quote that the the um, the, the, the moral, moral arc of the universe is long. It's long it bends towards justice. justice. Exactly. That's, oh, I love that. Yeah. Exactly where I was going, um, and 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 I do believe that. I do believe that, uh, and I think I would be I would be more of a mess today if I didn't believe that. Mm -hmm. um, I guess what I'm responding to is more the way that I've seen it used, um, and 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 so I guess I guess there is there is the the separation of theologically I believe that the moral arc of the universe is long, but it bends toward justice. Um, the, however, there is also this part of me that believes that. Um, this wasn't a move in the direction of justice. This wasn't, this isn't, um, this isn't um, much of what Mr. Trump's rhetoric has been is not on the side of justice. Um, I, I think there is, there is all sorts of silver linings that can be um, taken from this, but I would still say that this is a net negative um, event taken taken on its uh, on its own um and so when i when i hear people using it now in the context of the election um it really is in the way of 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 basically hey stop your whining god's in control and right. like um, dismissing the conversation exactly and and um so yeah i, I so i i really actually do very much appreciate uh your perspective there um, I guess where I where I'm pushing where I, where it hits me is just the ways that I've seen it used. So yeah. that's that's really where where I that's where my angst comes from. Yeah, I want to read a quote from a friend who had this reaction to this statement. She said, "Stop telling me to pray harder and let go and let God. God is not in control. Was God in control of slavery? Was God in control of Native American genocide?" Was God in control of lynchings? Was God in control of the Holocaust? 
Is God in control of human trafficking? Is God in control of child abuse? Is God in control of war crimes? She says, just stop with that rancid theology. We've been given free will and we are blowing it. Want it to be different? Do something. Mm -hmm. It's accountability. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I think that, that, um, God, you know, that God is still on the throne language, uh, is actually a way of, of abdicating human accountability. And, uh, I think, I think we have to push back. I think at this point in history, we have to push back against that kind of language because, because the people who use that kind of language, 80% of them voted for Trump. Um, I think that's exactly right. And, and, and so I, I, uh, it's problematic. It's, it's incredibly problematic um, to just, to just uh, kind of throw that out there uh, as, as the platitude that it is um, because there's a lot of people who are, are if, if you're willing to, to let go of human agency on things like voting, then you will let go <clears throat> of human agency on things like poverty and things like climate change. And, yes. and things like war and, and things like um, racism and, and on and on and on. And so I, I just, yeah. we can't give up our agency. Exactly. And so that's a case, I think, where even if, let's say, technically that theology is, is true, uh, does it matter if you, if it's being abused to, as you said, abdicate us from our own agency and our own responsibility? Then there's no point in trying to win a theological war when the end result is not living like Jesus uh, and not standing for the least of these, which is, I think, one of our highest calls as followers of Christ, as I understand it. Yeah. Yep. Preach it, Brian. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to jump to uh, our quote here from a uh, pastor who uh, this past Sunday after the election in his sermon said, I don't understand how people are having such a visceral reaction to this election. I just don't get it. Who gets elected doesn't affect my salvation. It doesn't affect my God. And I wonder if that relates to what we've been talking about. I think so. If all you're concerned about is the afterlife, you really don't even care what's going on right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it, it absolutely relates. Um, I mean, it's 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 the same it's the same theology that says um, all that matters is my personal salvation. All that matters is my personal relationship with God. And, and I have no communal responsibility to my neighbor. Um, I mean, if, <laughs> I mean, um, and, 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 I, and I guess, I mean, at, a, at, a, at another level, like how do people have, a, have such a visceral response to this election? I, I mean, people have a visceral response to this man who was elected. Um, I mean, the thing, the thing that, uh, you know, I heard, um, I mean, one of the things, I mean, there was, there was no point in this election where I was ever thinking of voting for Trump. No point. There was just no <laughs> point that was going to happen. This is a safe space, Derek. You can, you can be. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Um, um, but one of the things that really was, I, I mean, a, a final nail in the coffin for 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 me in thinking about him was I had several female friends say to me that his demeanor, his tone of voice, his gesturing remind that reminded them of an abuser, oh, of, of their personal abuser, of of a person who had assaulted them or abused them, and so. So, I mean, there, there is something very visceral about the man's language, about his behavior that, that yeah, we're responding to that. And, and sure, it doesn't affect my, my afterlife status, but it, 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 it does affect the way that I think about 
um, my friends, my my sisters, other people who have been victimized, and 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 yeah, that's I feel that viscerally. Um, so yeah, I, I don't I don't know how you miss that. Like you have to be in in a little bit of a of a bubble to miss that. Okay, okay, let's go with that. You have to be in a bubble to miss it. But do you know how many women in this country are abused in their own homes and their next door neighbors miss it? Their families miss yeah. it. Maybe yeah. that's why we're promoting a person like that because he's got the qualities that we let walk around in our communities every day because they are they are so charming and you know they can be these great pillars of the community. But when they go home and close those doors, it's like another human being. Yeah. And and maybe we need to elect somebody to that office to to bring that to light as well. He is bringing the ugliness of this entire country to light, and that's where it needs to be. Hmm. Wow. And and yeah. <laughs> I have no choice. Um, no, 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 no. No, I mean, no. I mean and, and again, I mean, like that's a visceral response. I mean, yeah, right. I, I appreciate that, Tina. I don't. I don't. Uh, yeah, I mean that's 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 such a great point. Um, I, I think you're absolutely right. It, it reminds it reminds us that there for so many people, um, neighbors, spouses, family members. You know, this is this is this is the reality that they live with, and um, their hell is just becoming societal. And and it's and it's in a place now that can't be ignored. Yep. Um, so yeah, I mean, I don't, um, you know, I'm, I'm glad that pastor feels good about his personal salvation. That's great. Awesome. Good for him. Um, uh, <laughs> but um, I, I think my faith requires more of me than to think just about my personal salvation. Amen. I, I, I hear that. Um, but I'm going to, I'm going to um, put my Ogan hat on for a second and say, um, I, I agree with what you're saying. And I agree that we have to be a community and stick together. However, there is something to be said about maintaining um, your personal peace through things. And the reason for that, is so that we can all get together and join together and act in um, appropriate ways instead of just having all this anger and fear running rampant everywhere. Like yeah. we, we have to make sure that we're doing this in a united way that's actually gonna make change instead of just looking like a bunch of crazy people. Because anger and fear are anger and fear, whether they're coming from a Republican or a Democrat. Same thing. True. What about you, Brian? Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, I hear you. And you're, you're tapping into what our quote from um, this Jesuit priest and activist, John Deere, who said, all of the world's violence, war, and hatred are rooted in our own hearts, and we must disarm our own hearts. And he's saying this in the context of being an activist, and that exactly as you said, we have to operate from a ground of peace to bring the kind of change we want to see in the world. Um, but I, I don't think that discounts righteous anger that does not discount um, people on the margins who are being negatively affected and need to be stood up for. So it doesn't discount any of that, but it says, let's not, you know, turn around and use violence in a way that might, you know, if we step back, look a lot like the thing we're trying to denounce. And so I think that's where he's coming from. Yeah, but I, I, I still think we have a habit of seeing things as good and evil when we get really upset. And we yeah. have to remember that we're all human beings having a human experience. I mean, don't get me wrong, um, Trump brings up a lot for me with uh, people in my life and, <clears throat> excuse me, that I've, I've known. And um, I, it's been my experience. The best thing to do um, sometimes is to sit back and let them kind of hang themselves like not the literal term but yeah, they, yeah. they have lessons to learn too and sometimes if you just sit back and let them carry forth they're you know they get a little bit of wisdom along the way you know and i i want to see him be a good president 
I think he has really far to go. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I think, as you said, uh, one thing that's happened is I think people are waking up, right? I think there's been a lot of stuff that's been under the surface or suppressed or whatever. And people are like, holy crap, what just happened and what is happening and why have I been asleep at the wheel? You know, I think a lot of people just kind of thought this can never happen. Like, yeah, he's running for president, but it's kind of a joke and he could never win. He did. And there's a lot of corollaries to that that unfortunately are very negative. Uh, you know, as you said, maybe we'll be pleasantly surprised. I have my suspicions about that. But I think the good thing is, as you said, a lot of things have come to the surface that we need to deal with as a society. But I, I also recognize, I say that as a privileged white straight male. And so, you know, there's going to be some very difficult things for people on the edges in our society, uh, people of color, uh, gay and lesbians, immigrants, refugees. So it's easy for me to say that maybe good will come long term, but there's going to be some short term pain. And I, you know, I want to be prepared to try to be helpful in whatever way I can. Yeah, I get that. So I want to, so we had this quote um, from this pastor who kind of said, I don't really get it and kind of has this narrow theological view. Well, you know, we're all still saved. And he's saying that to, a, as I understand it, a largely white congregation and fairly well off. So they're all kind of, hey, life's just going to continue. We're all fine. God still loves us. And doesn't matter who's president. Um, but I'm wondering, uh, what do you think a lot of churches did do this past Sunday? Do, do you think churches should acknowledge national events, political events? How do you think pastors and churches should navigate things like this? I mean, I I feel like it's it's absolutely crucial for for pastors to talk about these things. Um, one because this is a part of what's going on in people's lives. Um, people are affected by what's happening in the national conversation. People are affected by what happens in politics and people are personally invested. Um, but two, politics, politics is um, spiritual. Politics is theological. Um, and there is a theological response to um, to policies we see that might be enacted that aren't in line with our faith. Um, there is a place for the church to have a public witness. There is a place for a for the church to have a social justice witness. Um, and I think it's it's. Um, you know, I, uh, I would say a disproportionate number of my friends are pastors. And, um, <laughs> and so I watched people struggle with what they were going to say from the pulpit this week. And, um, and, and a lot of them dealing with their own grief as they were trying to figure out what they were going to say from the pulpit this week. Yep. Um, so I, I think, I think it's absolutely crucial to, um, to address it, to address the fear, and and to address those who are, you know, I think I think um, there's also something to be said. How do you pastorally deal with those who voted opposite of you, and how do you remind them that they're still part of the community and they're still loved and they still have something to bring to the table? Um, and that's that's hard. And those people might be feeling very alienated from their congregations, depending on how they voted. Yeah. Um, but I, I think that's that's part of the 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 juggling act that is pastoral ministry. Yeah, and how to balance that pastoral and prophetic uh, stance, I think, is is not easy. And I think you know everybody has to kind of discern their context, their community, what might be called for in a given time. Uh, I know for me personally, I felt like I wanted to lean more toward the prophetic this Sunday and just felt like there were some things I had to say. And I don't know, you know, 
if I cross lines or not, uh, but I do know that people who were cheering the result may not have thought it was the best sermon ever. Uh, but um, I also tried to say, you know, not, you know, we probably didn't all vote the same way and I don't make any assumptions about where you're coming from. But as a follower of Jesus, uh, here's how I see what's happening and here's how I see what's being invited because it's happened now. So, you know, who you voted for is now a thing of the past. What we have now is a reality. How do we go forward as people of faith now? How do we seek justice now? How do we witness to love now? And so I think, you know, yeah, it is what it is now. And um, yeah. <laughs> so we addressed it in my community. Mm. We certainly addressed it. And we had some songs of lament, actually. So that kind of tips our hand, I guess. <laughs> uh, but I think people felt like they needed that, honestly. I mean, a lot of people said this. it was great to have this space and I needed a place to feel welcome and a place to be heard and... yeah. You know, and a, and a word to, to kind of go forth with, you know, so it's not easy work. So you didn't get up there and say, God is still on the throne. You have nothing to worry about. <laughs> I did not say that. In fact, I, I, in fact, I shared the quote I shared with you all, uh, my friend who said, stop saying that. And, and then said, God is not in control. I actually said that in my sermon. And I was really nervous because I thought people are going to leave when I say that. They might not get mad about other stuff. They're going to be mad about that. That's right, because you have like a brand new church. I know. <laughs> you, are, you are being a misbehaved woman right now. <laughs> oh, man. Exactly. Nasty. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Stuff like this happens, right? When you're on the front end of things, it's like, really? Yeah. But you know what? I think when we take risks um, and we're vulnerable and we speak from our heart, that's when we make the best connections. Yeah. That's so true. Yeah, yeah, I hope so. I hope so. And I, and I think it's also important for the people in the pews to recognize that the pastor is human and that the pastor is going through the same range of emotions that they're going through. Yeah. Um, because so often we, um, we, can, we can set ourselves up as experts, as spiritual experts, in a way that alienates us from people. And I think people really need to see us grappling in the same ways that they're grappling. I think that's exactly right. I think that's exactly right. Totally um, agree. Yeah. So um, this isn't really on our sheet, but just wondering initial thoughts, reactions, either of you had as, as I assume you were paying a little bit of attention a, uh, a week ago as returns are coming in and were there stages of <laughs> of what right stages of of realizing what's happening and and what what is happening with you as you're seeing what's unfolding i i went and sat in the hot tub i couldn't take it <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Well done. i was like well I, done. I, I gotta go i can't do this <laughs> oh man um Wow, that, I wish I would have had a hot tub available. Um, <laughs> exactly. Um, we need a hot hot tub episode. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, I, uh, it, it, so it was, it was weird. Like we, um, I didn't realize until after the fact how confident I was that Hillary was going to win, mm. um, and. You know, uh, as as the early red states were coming in, and the early electoral count is very swayed towards Trump, and you know, we're all just kind of like, well, this is this is what happens, and yeah, yeah. Kentucky always comes through first, and you know, <laughs> right. always this is this is the way things go, um, and uh, and we actually took a break at some point. Uh, I think maybe around midnight, we actually we actually took a break for a while and said we'll we'll come back. Uh, so we just watched something on Netflix, and then and then we came back at at like one one thirty, and a lot of states that were supposed to go blue were red, 
And, and there was this feeling of, wait, wait, what's that? Wait, what's happening? Is it, is, is this, no, there's, there's, and then all of a sudden you start to see, you know, Michigan and Pennsylvania and Wisconsin and, and they're all trending. Florida. Trump and, 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 and they're like, it's just at this point, like disbelief just like comes over in waves. Um, yes. And uh, I think it was when Pennsylvania was called that I, I which was like 2.30, um, that I turned off the TV and said, okay, we've, we've, we've just, we've just got to go to bed and. Uh, and never wake up. <laughs> and pray that we are a part of some sort of mass hallucination. Oh man! Someone slipped something into our drinks, and that tomorrow we will wake up. And yeah, yeah, it'll be back to normal. It'll be back to normal, and and we'll we'll you know have the result we expected. This election um, is an absolute product of our environment. He is great at marketing. We oh goodness, value yeah. marketing in this country. He knows how to win. He knew how to win this election. He knew which states he could swing. He didn't bother with the West Coast. He knows better. No. He knew what to swing, and he did it. He worked he very actively worked to swing those states. I, I was I was with you, Derek. Uh, I don't think it ever actually crossed my mind that he could actually win. I mean, I I knew we didn't want him, from my perspective, didn't want him to win. Um, all views are welcome. Um, but uh, it just, I mean, given given the stuff he's said and the things he's proposed, it just and the way he talks. I mean, it just thought, well, it just can't happen because. People in the end are gonna be like, I can't vote for that. Yeah. I just thought people are just in the end not gonna be able to vote for that. And I think that just shows, you know, how out of touch I was with the national pulse. And yeah, likewise, as states are coming in, it's like this can't really be happening. No, this isn't really, you know, and it even, you know, on the networks, like Chuck Todd's like, well, it could still be a tie if, you know, if she recovers in. Pennsylvania and Wisconsin, <laughs> Michigan, you know, best case scenario could still be a tie. Like they held on to that for like an hour longer than I think was actually possible. They, <laughs> I, they couldn't believe it either. You know, it just seemed incomprehensible. And yet there it was. And I think, I think that's the part that's, that's really fascinating is that the media was just as shocked as the rest of us. <laughs> And and that the folks who have been running these projections um, professionally, uh, who had been doing these polls for months, um, blew it. I mean, really blew it. And um, and I think that all of us have. Um, there's a huge lesson for all of us there um, about who we're actually listening to. And, um, you know, I, I think it's hard to hear this now, but I think, I think there is some soul searching that has to be done about some of the echo chambers we create for ourselves. No doubt. Um, about how much I surround myself with people who are going to, generally speaking, agree with my point of view. Yep. Um, yeah, and for me, I mean, what I was seeing was from a lot of very conservative friends who probably their whole lives have voted Republican. Many of them were saying, I cannot vote for Trump as a Christian. Yeah. So I'm going to have to go third party. And I honestly, I thought that was a widespread thing. Mm -hmm. I thought, yeah, I mean, you know, if you look at the moral stances of this guy, like how can you as a Christian vote for that? And yet it happened. 80 plus percent of evangelicals voted for Trump. So I was clearly wrong. There was something, there was some epidemic in this country <laughs> that people venomously hated Hillary. Like, yeah. it didn't matter what Trump said. He could yeah. have done or said anything he wanted. They hated her so much, they would have voted for anybody else but her. I think you're right. But there was... that also goes to show this mass hate and fear that we have in this country. Yeah, yeah.
Well, and and but I mean, we can't pretend though that that hate for Hillary came out of nowhere. I mean, that's there is there is three decades. There's of history. Machine that has been at work. Um, so it's not it's not just um, it's not just like this came this came from nowhere. People have been hating Hillary for a very long time. Much of it unjustly much of it um, unwarranted. Um, but, but um, you know, I wrote, I wrote a piece, I wrote a piece on my blog um, about Hillary and, and how a lot of people were, were basically writing her off by the way that she handled um, Bill's affairs, and um, almost right. exclusively, the people who commented on this blog almost exclusively were women, and taking both sides of mm -hmm. of this issue of 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 um, like yeah, absolutely, you know she she asked you know she she's an ambitious woman and and she's stuck with him and 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 uh she's she's earned her spot and other people saying um it was a loveless marriage and she should have dumped him and and i can never trust her because she's only out for power and it, and it was just like the 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 strength of emotions on both sides um, was okay. Terrifying. <laughs> Obama set aside. How many loving marriages have we actually seen in the White House? I mean, come on. But I have to tell you, I when you did, I'm hysterical right now because one of the people that I know that is the biggest Trump supporter ever. I can't believe I'm going to say this on live radio. <laughs> he, he has cheated on his wife his entire marriage, and he posted and said, what kind of woman stays with a man after he cheats on her? And I was like, oh my god. Oh, it took everything uh, not to respond. It took everything yeah, not to respond. Wow. 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 It's just part of us wow. not being able to see ourselves. <laughs> yes. Oh, man. Um, wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. That's special. so. In the t in the time we have left, uh, I have a statement here from theologian James Cone, uh, liberation theologian, African American, very astute fellow. He says sympathy does not change the structures of injustice. The authentic identity of Christians with the poor is found in the claim which the Jesus encounter lays upon their own lifestyle a claim that connects the word Christian with the liberation of the poor. So I, I guess the, the first phrase especially catches me. Sympathy itself doesn't change the structures of injustice. Uh, and that reminds me of what's been going on uh, with this whole safety pin campaign, right? A number of people have um, been promoting wearing a safety pin as a way to say, I stand with you if you're feeling threatened, if you're... Uh, person of color, if you're LGBT, if you're an immigrant uh, or a woman who feels threatened, I'm here for you. I'm a safe person. Um, so I, I just I just threw a couple things at you there, but wondering if you have a thought about either James Cohn or the whole safety pin thing and, and what your own thought about that is. Go ahead, Derek. Uh <laughs> okay. Um, you know, I, so first off, I, I, I love sort of the second half of that quote, the idea yes. that um, Christian is connected with the liberation of the poor. And for me, that is, that is absolutely what Christian means. That is what it means to be Christ-like, is to be about mm -hmm. the liberation of the poor. Um, Poor, marginalized, oppressed—however you want to parse that out. Right. Um, I have seen a lot. I've seen and read a lot of 
criticism of the safety pin thing. And I think the criticism of it is valid and justified. However, um, I think right now, this is so fresh and we have such a short attention span and we're, we're so bombarded with information. This is a short, this was like an immediate response uh, an immediate visual response that people could give to show solidarity. And I don't think, you know, if all you do is a safety pin, then yes, we have a problem. But I have, I have no issue with people wearing a safety pin and saying that they're in solidarity with marginalized people. Um, I, first, I mean, first and foremost, we have to recognize that that, that symbol came from, um, from the UK. After right. Like, so it's actually a connection with an international movement. So that in and of itself gives it a little bit more validity than if we were, um, you know, just throwing on safety. Um, awesome. No, it shouldn't end there. It definitely shouldn't end there. But I, I think we are, we're so cynical and we're so critical um, that that the moment this got a little bit of momentum, there were people waiting. At I know it. I mean, it 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 hadn't been a day that oh I gosh. saw that people, you know, like, hey, everyone, start wearing safety pins. Hey, everyone, wearing safety pins is stupid. Yeah, I mean, it was. Hey, it hey, was, white people, your safety pins are embarrassing. Exactly. <laughs> Those are the exactly. kind of articles was, I started seeing. I, I believe that was an exact quote of a headline. <laughs> yeah, and I, I'm like. And, like really and again you know i think i think there's so much there's so much anger i mean i mean part of it is and, and i want to say this to you know my white brothers and sisters there's so much anger in communities of color um there's so much um feelings of betrayal and so much feelings of 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 there's only been lip service coming from the white community that that when things like this come there are explosions of anger that you know your safety pin doesn't put food on my table. Yes. So so there's that, and and like please please I hear, get that. Hear I the hear validity that. of that. And, and, I do hear that. Thank you. Um. But that said, I, I the thing that I worry about is that we are in desperate need of coalition building right now, and we are eating our own. And I, I, I really, I really worry about that. And I, and I, so for me, um, I see the the folks who you know had the the safety pins on their Facebook uh, profile pictures, and I say, okay, this is someone who um, I can I can have the conversation with because I have another group of people in my life for whom the safety pin's not even on the radar. <laughs> exactly. Uh, you know, so. But Derek, don't you recognize those people with or without the safety pin? I do know who the safety pin. I do know who the safety people are without the safety pin. But I, but I do think I do think symbols are important, right? I mean, yeah. I think I think symbols and images are important, and and sometimes we just need something to rally around. And, and again, if it stays there, that's a problem. If it stays with with only changing your your profile picture, then we've got we've got a real problem. Mm -hmm. um, but I think right now, and again, we are we are in the like it hasn't yet been a week. We are in the immediate aftermath of this. No doubt, people just needed something to rally around, and this gave them something to rally around. Yep. So I I, I think. Um, yeah, I mean, we can't stop at sympathy. We can't stop at the, the symbolism. I, I just think we get so big into the grand gestures and the symbolism instead of just being a decent person when you're in your everyday life. You know, you see somebody talking to somebody like they shouldn't be, step in. You know, like you see that somebody needs help, step in. Go volunteer somewhere. Go do something. You know, it's like it's like the whole breast cancer thing. Everyone's wearing pink, and Susan G. Komen is a very rich foundation. But how many people are going to the cancer wards and sitting with those patients? You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
I, I would say in my own community here in Holland, uh, which tends to be a fairly conservative uh, community theologically and politically, I think here symbols like that can make a difference because I think people in this town might wonder, you know, am I safe here? And if I see someone with a safety pin, that actually might make me feel better. Um, you know, and I've, I've been wearing uh, on occasion a Black Lives Matter pin around. And I had someone at a coffee shop the other day say, thank you for wearing that. And I think it was just a, a connection point. Like, hey, I, I value that. And I see you as someone who values that. And I don't necessarily expect to see that here. Mm. And so it's it's one thing you know it should never be everything that's the only thing you're doing that is a huge problem but if it's you know a way to connect a way to say hey i stand with these fellow human beings who are being written off or who are at risk or whatever the situation is um that's important yeah i mean i i think i think in the age of facebook we we definitely have to be aware of slacktivism right like we have to be aware of the fact that that there is very it's very easy to um, do your um, activism by hitting cap locks and then typing <laughs> yes. type and saying that is that is me having a strong opinion about something. Um, but that said, I, I again I think. Um, Yes, we should be decent people. We should be good people. We we should um, we sh we should be you know we should definitely you know I mean one of the things I, I I'm part of this cohort in Baltimore um, that is an interfaith cohort. Um, so we're getting together on Thursday to talk about justice in Baltimore, and I I will get to touch base with a lot of my Muslim friends on Thursday and just kind of ask them how are you doing? What do you, what do you need? Um, that's, that's really important to me. Um, exactly. and that's real stuff. I mean, that's, and that's real stuff. And that's, that's, that's practical stuff. And they may ask for things that are, that I'm not thinking of right now. And so I'm, I'm, I'm really eager for those conversations. But again, in the immediate aftermath where so many of us are, I mean, let's, let's face it. So many of us are still in shock. Mm. Um, I think, I think that, that, small gesture um, I, maybe it wasn't needed but I think it was it was cathartic it was it was it felt like doing something um, yep and I think that you know like I, I went uh, to this um, unity and solidarity rally tonight and it was a, a peaceful gathering it wasn't framed even as a protest really it was simply chance for people to come together and um, hold a candle and hold some signs that says love or love not hate or we care about each other um, and I think a lot of people felt really glad about that and we were um, on a busy along a busy street here in town and tons of cars honked I assume positively as they went by and um, you know we had a, rain a few rainbow flags and um, you know, it, a small thing, right? A small thing, but a chance for human beings in our community to connect some of us to meet each other for the first time and to know that we're not alone. Whatever lies ahead, we're not alone. Yeah. I, I agree, Brian. And I just want to add, because I saw a lot of stuff on Facebook this week that I just, I'm shaking my head. Um, you can stand up for yourself without lashing out. Um, yeah. some, of the, some of the quotes about... Um, Trump's wife, completely unnecessary. Like, uh, totally bashing and belittling somebody is still bashing and belittling them. It's, I'm, yeah, it's personal. It's not okay. You know, stick stick to the political part of it. Exactly right. I agree with that a hundred percent. Let's talk about actual policies and things that are going to affect human exactly. beings' lives. There's no reason to get personal. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. Well, we're approaching uh, our hour here, friends. Any uh, closing thoughts, parting wisdom? I, <laughs> I, you know, I think I think one of the things that, um, you know, I think it's really important for people to process the grief that they're feeling. 
because um, I do think I do think a lot of us are genuinely feeling grief, um, and and we do need to find those safe spaces. And so I would, I you know, whoever's listening, I would just encourage you to find places to process that grief, um, find healing places, um, take care of yourself, um, do good self care right now. Um, and, uh, you know, and unplug if you need to. Yeah, well said. Good word, good word. Well, friends, thanks for tuning in to Pup Theology Live. Uh, you can connect and spread the word on social media. You can listen anytime on SoundCloud, Stitcher, or iTunes. Uh, so, you know, you can take us with you on the go. You know, if you've got a commute, uh, you can queue up some Pub Theology Live and you'll either be ready to start the day or wish the day hadn't started. But uh, <laughs> Take us with you. If you would like to find a conversation like this in your town, and honestly, I think these kinds of conversations are needed right now, and there are Pub Theology groups happening all across our country where it's a safe space and people of all views and all religious views uh, and all backgrounds are welcome. You can find one of those at pubtheology.com slash directory. And I want to say thanks again to our sponsor, Craft Beer Cellar. Visit craftbeerseller.com for a location near you. And again, thanks to our guest tonight, Derek. Great to have you. And thanks for doing some real processing with us. Yeah, my pleasure. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. All right, friends, until next time, we are out. theme song <laughs> I, can, I can hear it in my head you know it's just, uh, I'll get